Howdy, welcome to Plant Pals. I'm your host, Mike. This week, I did something a little different because of the holidays and technical difficulties. I had two of my pals, Vera and Bonnie, talk to me about cherished childhood plant memories. Here we go. didn't initially start out in botany, but um, I ended up, my first field job in college was like this internship with a land conservancy in Michigan, and my roommate there was like super into plants, and he just every day would be like, hey, like, do you want to go look for plants with me? Because it would get dark at like 10 p.m. in the summer, right? So we'd get off at five and then just go look for plants for like four hours. (laughs) So... That was kind of when I realized, like, whoa, all these plants are, like, classified. Because before that, I only ever knew about common names and just, like, a whole other world, you know, Um, once you start learning about all the families and stuff. But, yeah, and then after that, I decided it'd be cool to work with plants. So I've just been doing, like, different little plant jobs around the country and yeah so that's kind of where I'm at very cool um yeah where are you you were in Wyoming or no this summer Ian was in Wyoming yeah Ian was in Wyoming I was working in Idaho for you know Institute for Applied Ecology Mm -hmm. yeah I was working for them it was fun it was like the first time I'd done hitches, which was interesting in Idaho in, like, the spring. It was pretty cold, and we got snowed on a couple times. Um, but, yeah, I liked working for them. So you had mentioned, right before we started recording, blueberries in Galtheria in terms of childhood plant memories. Like, what do you have specifically about those? Also, I didn't know there were a lot of blueberries in Texas you grew up. Um... So that's not from Texas. Most of most of my like outdoor memories as a kid are from visiting family in Canada. Cause where I grew up in Texas is like pretty heavily developed. Um, so I have like some plant memories from here, but most of them are like after I started being able to drive and could actually go and explore on my own. Um, yeah. So, but growing up. We would go visit my family in Canada for like a month or so every summer. What part of Canada? Uh, Sudbury. It's like in Ontario. It's a couple hours north of Lake Huron. Um, but it's this big mining town. Like there, It's like the nickel mining capital of the world. So there was oh like... God. And you <laughs> ate fruit from around there? Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot. And yeah, so it used to be so polluted like so bad and I'm sure there's still a lot because it's like heavy metals you know like it's around for sure like in the wetlands probably um (laughs) yeah so I don't know if if that was like okay hopefully it was fine but um yeah so there's the soil is really acidic around there partly because of that 
So there's oh a God. ton of blueberries everywhere. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's like really rocky. It's part of like, it's called like the Sudbury Basin, but it's really old rock and a lot like really bouldery. I don't know if it's, if it's so bare because everything, all the plants died and all the soil eroded away <laughs> or if it's just, God. if it's just rocky like that because of like the glaciers, I don't know. But yeah. And yeah, so we just like go out. Um, I don't know if we were trespassing, honestly, but we, we just like drive out and like park on the side of the road and then just hike into some like random forest and just pick a bunch of blueberries all day. And it was really fun. And I would eat like a bunch of them because I, I'm just like very food motivated. I'm like a fiend for, for blueberries. And it just... feels good. It's like the monkey brain says like, oh, I'm foraging for berries. Like mm -hmm. this is what I am supposed to be doing on a cellular level. I'm yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah, so my grandpa, he would teach me the plants while we were walking around. But once I actually started learning plants and we would talk about what the plants were, I was like, no, like that's not the same thing. Or like, I don't know. It, I just got really confused. But um, yeah, he taught me tea berry too. And we would like pick the leaves and chew on them and eat the berries and stuff whenever we'd find those. Um, yeah. And he would, I wish I remembered because all my family there speaks French. So like I was learning the plant names in French. Oh, cool. But I don't remember what, the, what they were. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I used to um, go to Maine every summer. Mm -hmm. And looking back, like it, I just realized it as you were talking about heavy metal pollution. I would go under the power lines and just eat as many blueberries as I could find. And I was like, oh, they're definitely spraying. Like, there's no way they're going in and manually removing how many millions of uh, white uh, pines, like, every single year. So that's good. I'm glad I whatever toxin is in me is in me now. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's probably pesticides or whatever on, on the ones from the store, too. It's probably, it's probably evens out, you know? I don't know. And I'm starting to get so woo-woo now that I live, like, up in the mountains in a huge farming area because I'm like, oh, like, I don't want herbicides and pesticides. And I don't, but it's like they also work really well. And, you know, you made it this far in your life. I don't know. It's uh, If it wasn't $3 more expensive, I would be the most earthy, crunchy, like, open-toed shoes dude imaginable. <laughs> but I just cannot afford it. Yeah. That same patch of blueberries, I saw my first Canada lily kayaking along the river that goes through there, and that was tight. I think that was, like, kind of what partially sealed the deal. Just, like, having this massive complex of yellow flowers growing out of the side of a river it's like this is the coolest thing i've ever seen like i want to i want to chase this feeling forever yeah i've i remember this was like when i was a bit older but i would start exploring around here and here the area that i live in in dfw is like is really developed and it's just like these huge subdivisions and what parks that there are left 
are like super degraded and they're all along creeks because it all flash floods whenever mm-hmm. it rains because it's all this paved. is Dal- dallas fort worth yeah initiated yeah um but so it all used to be blackland prairie around here and it's it's pretty much gone now but well there's there's a few remnants um but i think it's like people say 99 to 99.9 percent gone so it's it's up there with like the central valley you know yeah is there any kind of prairie i have an episode that's unfortunately probably never going to see the light of day about the Palouse prairie because my computer decided to say fuck you mm-hmm. but it's like that one's 99 point whatever percent gone like is there any grassland that is <laughs> like single digits like we still got it it's around i don't know it's just brutalized i mean in the u.s i don't think so uh i don't i don't know about um in canada what the great plains is like up there oh it's the same like you ever see a map of land use in alberta where the great plains just keep going north it's no different. There's like probably like the peripherals in the northern parts are a little bit more put together, but no, I think Edmonton is in the middle of their plains and they call it Edmonton because it's like the roughest, grotiest, like mining oil cattle town. I hope that's right. I didn't just slander that. I don't know. Like, I feel like the Mongolian steppe is pretty intact. True. But, but I also don't know anything about Mongolia, so. Fucking, the person I was talking to about the Palouse Prairie um, spent time in Mongolia. Like, we talked about Mongolia out, like, oh, I'm so mad. If anyone knows how to do cheap data recovery, please, please message me. Yeah, Ian and I... I'll get him back. Ian and I drove through the Palouse, what's left of it, like, Western Washington, um, back in September, and we were so sad, like... It was all ag. It was that's similar to how it was in Idaho where I was working in the Snake River Plain. It's like Oh. Uh, it's all irrigated by the Snake River. Um and just Yeah, those like lower, wetter areas are yeah, just totally different and all yeah. farm now. Um Yeah. But the Blackland Prairie, the remnants of it are pretty cool what's there's like a nature conservancy preserve that I've never been able to go to because it's private. It's like not open to the public, but I drive by it sometimes. I went this past you, weekend. You can get in there. Yeah. I, I just have to email somebody, but I'm just, I'm shy. Um. <laughs> I, feel that. I don't want to get, I don't want to get shut down. So I'm like, I'd rather trespass than yeah. say, get a no. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, like, in high school, once I started being able to drive around a little bit, I would go and look for plants, and I have a pretty clear memory of finding a mimosa in one of those little, like, That's fun. creek parks, whatever, where they just didn't want to develop it because it would flood, and, yeah, just growing out of, like, bare limestone, basically, I was like, this is so cool. And I remembered it from this camp that I went to in like fifth grade because they showed it. They showed it to us, and I thought it was so cool because of how like the leaves are will react to touch. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. And I was with my friend, and we were just like 
ooh, like, look, the leaves are moving. And we were just sitting there and staring at the plant, looking at the leaves move. So that was, that was a good memory. And then I remember finding, uh, like, Erythronium albidum for the first time, too. Really? I was, it's like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Because <laughs> I've never seen anything like that. And since a lot of the forests around here are so degraded, there's just not a lot of wildflowers. And I was mm-hmm. just out hiking one day and saw some at this one preserve nearby me. And that was very exciting. And I was Googling, trying to Google, like, white flower in Texas because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know about iNaturalist or anything. Um, and it might have been before iNaturalist. I don't – yeah. Um, but, yeah, I found – I eventually found out what it was, but I, I, it was before I knew about, like, Latin names and stuff, so I was like, oh, I found the Texas trout lily, and I called that good. And then later I was like, oh, it's Erythronium albidum. I'm surprised they don't call it blue bonnets in addition to everything else that they call blue bonnets. Yeah. There's a lot of blue bonnets, because they're, they're actually pretty um, weedy, and... They'll just throw seed down on the side of the road. Yeah. That one and Castilea indivisa. They'll just throw that on the side of the road. So in the springtime, it's just like a big super bloom in these like suburban roadsides of like blue bonnets and stuff, which is cool. But it's crazy like how easy it is to get them to grow because since the blue bonnets are the state flower, you're, like, not allowed to pick them or anything. It's illegal. But they're, like, weedy. It's funny because people will pick way rare stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I've never experienced it, but every photo I've seen of it is, like, there's a freeway in the background, like a Love's gas station or something. Yeah. Or Bucky's. Bussies. Yeah. <laughs> Bussies. <laughs> I mean, it's cool, though. That's all they need is a little bit of extra yeah. loving, and you have super blooms again. Yeah, because in the springtime, like, they're, like, growing in ditches and stuff a lot of the time. In the springtime, there's a lot of rain, so it gets really wet, and then they just take advantage of that. All right, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Good luck. I hope no, no technical difficulties this time. I know, thank if I If my computer doesn't break down, it'll be swept away in the flood. All right, this first fake ad is brought to you by the Taxonomic Splitters of America. If you ain't splitting, I ain't hitting. This next ad is brought to you by the Air Casey family. Everything from parasites to trees with a blowout sale on Vaccinium this weekend only. Air Casey, you want it? We got it. Hit it. Hi, I'm Bonnie Semling, and... <laughs> I am um, definitely a plant nerd. I've been a plant nerd for a long time. Um, Most of my childhood memories are based around plants. I was allowed to be feral and to like run around outside and get muddy and dig around in the yard. My parents didn't do any landscaping. They uh, hardly even mowed the lawn. But I think that was for the best, you know, for the planet and also for... I think 
letting kids run around freely is like really good for their brains. Yeah, like getting dirty is physically good for you. Yeah, it is good for you. But like to allow them to actually go outside and to notice things on their own, I think is key. So anyway, that's what my parents allowed me to do for for better or for worse. Um, And I also spent a lot of time with my grandfather on my mom's side. Um, He was you know, Italian-American and like a child of the depression. So he was really into gardening and we would, I would help him plant things like tomatoes and green beans all the time. And tomato flowers are like the first thing I noticed. Really? Uh, Yeah. I'm definitely a Solanese person. (laughs) You have been talking (laughs) about it at length lately. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean... Okay, Solanaceae is found, like, everywhere, right? And, like, tomato plants. Everyone has some experience with the tomato plant. So even if you are a non-botanist, you could, like, draw a tomato plant. You could draw the calyx and all that, right? Yeah. Okay, so what I'm trying to say is that <laughs> it was definitely the Solanaceae that I started noticing, like, floral and morphological patterns in plants. Um, you're from the east. You know Solanum dulcimara? Uh, is that just like your common weedy nightshade? Yeah, it's like a vine with purple yeah. flowers. Does it have thorns on it? No, no, it's like it dies back to the ground every year. Um, I think it might be either an annual or a short-lived perennial. But it uh, is totally herbaceous. But, yeah. So anyway, that was everywhere in our backyard. That was all over, like, the chain link fence and everything. And I would look at the tomato plant's flowers, and I'd look at Solanum dosamara's flowers, and I was like, they look really similar. (laughs) And, like, even the leaves look similar. The smell of the plant was, like, they had this, like, you know how, like, tomato plants smell? They had, like, Mm -hmm. very similar aromas. And so my brain was like there's some sort of relationship here. They're, like, related in some way. And I, Just holding them in both hands, like, looking at them back and forth, like, no, the neuron. No, I, I definitely, exactly, I may even tried to pollinate it, too. Ah. <laughs> I don't know, I was, I was really feral, like I said. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, ripping up tomato plants and stuff. Um, no, there, I was, that's definitely, that is, like... I was under eight years old. I know that. I don't know exactly what age I was when this happened, but that was where it all started, I think, when I was like, whoa, everything isn't just leaves and flowers. And then another plant that I remember intimately is Rose of Sharon. Um, What is this? Hibiscus syriaca, right? Uh, I don't actually know that one. Is that the large, big shrub with the hibiscus flowers? Yeah, you remember it. I'm sure they have it in Massachusetts. Yeah, I remember I saw, I used to work on a farm, and we would take care of the property next to it because of some weird easement, and they had a gigantic one. And I was like, why are these, like, why are these uh, Mai Tai flowers in this bush? Like, they shouldn't be here. This is nuts. They're so tropical. They look like the the clouds from SpongeBob. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. They were hibiscus in the (laughs) sky. (laughs) Mai Tai flowers? I've never heard that one. Yeah, yeah, I remember, like, dissecting those, and they looked like, like, other people who 
who did like landscaping and annuals and stuff like neighbors or relatives and whatever they would often have um what is it called the the hibiscus you see everywhere hibiscus sinensis so i was like those flowers look really similar to the rose of sharon flowers so i was definitely making those connections when i was really young very cool were you um did you have woods to go play in like my neighborhood had a little i don't even know if it was a state park but it was like a conservation area um between like the mall and our neighborhood and it was like grody but it was just enough that if you were in the center of it you felt like you're out in the forest that was huge for me playing in there yeah actually so when i talk about my experiences like below eight it was because i lived in a different town but when i was eight we moved to Greenbrook, New Jersey, which has a lot more like little wooded areas, like in between strip malls and whatever, you know, in mm -hmm. between houses. And I would frequently go to the the woods behind the middle school, um, which were like fl a floodplain. It was, <laughs> I, it was also a dumping ground. There was a lot of tires and everything, but it was wooded. And yeah, I would I would go crazy in there. And I've returned back there now that I can recognize all the species there and I'm like kind of amazed that like they were actually not that bad like there's a ton of ramps and things like that back there really yeah damn yeah our high school had dozens if not hundreds of acres behind it of particularly like it was mostly forest but there was a complex of old cranberry bogs that have been abandoned oh wow um, so we had like you know like the the little whatever the pond that they dam up and then we just basically had like this forest with a grid pattern stream running through it because it was so old uh i think that's kind of what got me into restoration i was like this is nuts we just stopped messing with it like trees start growing again this is like a good apocalypse <laughs> it was full of blueberries and here's a fun one i've never said out loud pink lady slipper cypripedium acali i would say a call um, a call okay yeah that would grow in like the BMX kids, like, let's go smash bottles and burn tires, like, hangout spots. And I was like, whoa, like, orchids can grow in trash? I thought they were on the <laughs> tops of trees in the Amazon. This is tight. No, they can definitely grow in trash. I'm thinking of, like, sites in the Pine Barrens I know where people, um, like, drive around in circles and wherever the fuck in bogs. And, yeah, there's cypripedium on the edges of those. They may even benefit a little. Because it like opens up area. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It keeps the canopy going. <laughs> Maybe for that species, not for most of the species. Yeah, geez, the rest of them. <laughs> the trash yeah, orchids. That's that's an awesome amount. That that's an awesome like, definitely the woods behind your high school are better than the woods behind my middle school. Like, it's very it's very much full of um, Japanese knotweed now. You know, what's you know what's funny is that I. I remember, like, not going there for a year and then going there again. And I was like, what is all this bamboo here? I didn't know what it was at the time. But I was like, this wasn't here on the trail last time I was here. Like, I remember how it was spreading and I didn't know what it was. And now you're like, oh, God, everything's <laughs> dying. Sh it's I everywhere. <laughs> I should have been, been doing something then when I was 14. <laughs> what, what was I thinking? I do miss, like plants just being plants like oh cool there's bamboo out here 
and there's this crazy vine with these red berries on it. I love it. I bet you it's not like insanely bad for the environment. Ooh, barberry. That sounds fun. Mm. I want to eat one. Ooh, oop, they're spiky. Don't touch them. I can see how not knowing what vegetation is kind of ruins places for you. There's places I don't go because I just know that they're pretty awful and they're not even worth botanizing. Mm-hmm. And there's places, you know, I, I have no interest of going to, you know, like when the like understory is, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> How dare you? I saw the map you sent of the conservation <laughs> lands in there. It's pretty decent. Yeah, no, I'm I'm proud of, especially the Pinelands, I'm really proud of, like, how much is protected there. I mean, it'd be nice if it was even more, but it's better than a lot of other states. Texas. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I saying? <laughs> um, Greenbrook, New Jersey, playing with trash orchids and not weed. Well, I didn't, I didn't get trash orchids, unfortunately, but... A lot of cool floodplain plants that, like, I think just playing in a floodplain made me able to recognize a floodplain really well now. So there's that as a plus. But, oh, uh, we were talking about how invasive species kind of ruin your perception mm-hmm. of places. Yeah. Yeah. They have ruined my perception of places. But it makes the nice places that much nicer. Like, when I see good, intact habitat, I'm like, this is the best place in the world compared to, like, degraded sites (laughs) or just, like, invasive grass meadows, you know? Like, yeah, it was all pretty equally, but now it's, like, there are super highs and super lows, and the highs are much higher. Well, that's why we do this, right? Because... Chasing the high. Chasing the dragon. (laughs) Yeah, right? Crumb of dopamine. uh, How many Archostaphylos have you seen? I, you know, I made a joke with myself that I wasn't going to talk about Manzanitas this episode. <laughs> um, I am at 22 not counting subspecies and I think there's like with subspecies uh, and like weird varieties there's like 107 taxa 108 pretty soon. Um, yeah, I've, I've knocked them all off in my immediate. There's one that lives in a super private Lockheed Martin land area that you have to like do some sketchy shit to go see so that one that one's still on my list but other than that i've knocked off most of the ones in the san francisco peninsula so i'll take it cool (laughs) hey you asked (laughs) and then i was like why did i ask (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so yeah if you have kids I just gotta, if you have kids, let them outside. Let mm. them be free. Let them, let them play around. Because you never know, they could become a botanist like me and have a hard time finding a full-time job with benefits. And, <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be chasing a high forever. You'll never retire, but you'll die doing what you love. Yeah, at least you'll have, at least you'll have genuine moments of happiness. Yeah.